Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Good morning to you. Uh, appreciate you being with us this morning to study God's Word. Uh, my name is Jerry Varnado. I'm the pastor at Ray's United Methodist Church and a friend of Rick's. And I'm uh, doing a four-part series on Acts. This is my second uh, message. And it's titled, A Missions Mindset. Now, there's going to be some overlap uh, with the message I gave last week, uh, particularly with the text I'm going to read. And I'm sorry I have to read a pretty long text today. But first, uh, part of the text that we had for last week, Acts 1, 4 through 9, uh, where Jesus said on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. My Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? And he says, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then just a few days later, Pentecost, the day of Pentecost came, which is recorded for us in Acts uh, chapter 2. Uh, and I'll read verses uh, uh, 1 through 8 and then verse 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then it gives us uh, all uh, the people who were staying, this crowd that gathered up where they were all from. They were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And then they names all the others. And then it says in verse 13, uh, verse 12, Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, What does this mean? But then verse 13 says, Some have made fun of them, and said they've had too much wine. Let's pray. God help us now to hear clearly and to understand completely what you would say to your church. Amen. Jesus said that there are two things that are the result of full participation in Pentecost. That we receive power and that we become witnesses. Now, the way that Jesus put it, uh, those two things are like love and marriage. I'm sure you all remember that song. Uh, love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. Uh, uh, this I tell you, brother, you can't have one without the other. Well, that's the way it is with power and being a witness. You can't have one without the other. If I fully surrender myself to God, I don't just begin to witness, I become a witness. That, that's something different. 
If I become a witness, witnessing is not what I do out of obligation or obedience. It's who I am. It describes the very essence of my being. To put it another way, when we are fully participating in Pentecost, <coughs> we have a missions mindset. Now, <coughs> missions is defined as missionary duty or work. It's what missionaries do. A, a missionary is one who is sent on a mission. Now listen to these texts. Matthew 28, 8 through to 18 through 20. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I know Jesus is speaking to the twelve apostles here, right? I've heard that excuse given several times. But listen carefully. When you make disciples of all nations, what is it that you to teach? What was it they were to teach us? They were to teach us all that Jesus commanded them. You get it? Everything Jesus said to the apostles, He says to us. It applies to us. Now, in 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20, it says all of this, all this good news about Jesus from God is from God who reconciled us to Himself in Christ and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting men's sins against them. And He has committed to us the message of, of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us. Now we use the term missionary to describe those who commit themselves uh, to full-time Christian work in foreign nations. And it's perfectly right to call them that, but it is perfectly wrong to limit the term to those who serve on foreign soil. Everyone who has received Jesus as Savior and Lord has been commissioned by Jesus, sent on a mission to be witnesses to what God has revealed and offered us in Jesus Christ. Now look again at Acts 1.8. Where are we to be witnesses? Now, Jesus said this to the church again, not to particular individuals, but the church as a whole. You will be my witnesses first in Jerusalem. That is your hometown, the place where you live. Then Judea. That represents our county, maybe our state. Samaria would represent uh, neighboring counties or states. And then to the ends of the earth, the whole planet. Now, there's a pattern here. God would not want us to bypass people we know to witness those who are far off. Witnessing first at home helps us build a relationship of trust and confidence in what God can and will do through our witness while we are in a familiar environment. 
Beside that, the truth is, if we're not witnesses at home, what makes us think we're going to be effective witnesses out there where it's a whole lot harder to witness? Being a witness at home also helps us establish a base of operation from which we can draw resource and partnership from the body of Christ to support any mission work further away from home. When we give money to support the work of missionaries, like Rick Bonfilm Ministries, they don't need to thank us because we're not doing something for them. We're not supporting their ministry. Whether we are partnering with them to do the mission of the church, which is our responsibility, we need to thank them for making the sacrifices necessary to witness to foreign nations because it is our obligation not just theirs. Now, this is part of what I mean by having the missions mindset. We cease thinking about terms in terms of us and them. It's we. It's not the Baptist and the Methodist and the Presbyterian. It's we. We. It's not their ministry. It's our ministry. We should gladly support their efforts because they are helping us fulfill our kingdom responsibilities. Now, let me say a little bit about what I mean by mindset. It's defined as a fixed mental attitude or disposition that determines a person's responses to and interpretations of situations. First, it's fixed. It's firm. It's established. It's not subject to change or variation. I am a missionary. I am an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am on a mission. Nothing I do changes that. Wherever I travel, wherever I go, nothing changes that. If I go to the grocery store, I'm on a mission. I'm there to witness to anyone who might ask me about the hope. I can't tell you how many people I prayed for in the grocery store. It predetermines how we respond. Second, it, re- it predetermines how we respond to whatever circumstances and situations we encounter in the world. It therefore would be a major factor in our decisions about who we hang out with, who we marry, what we do for a living, how we spend our time and our money, or, or maybe I should say, how much of God's time and money that we dare keep for ourselves. You could also call it a kingdom mindset. What I've got in mind is not what happens to Ray's church or some other church, but what's happening in the kingdom. We're working together to forward the kingdom on on this earth. Foremost in our mind is the business of God's kingdom which is our working with God in the reconciliation of the world to Himself through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I'm perfectly aware that through two centuries of New Testament history, Pentecost has been associated with workings of spiritual power in the form of miracles and prophesying and speaking in tongues. I have made those associations myself in prior sermons on Pentecost, and most likely will do so again. Uh, So I, I don't mean to suggest that those associations are in any way improper or inappropriate. 
We often see those sorts of manifestations in conjunction with Pentecostal experience, but particularly when we're spreading the gospel. Those things are the visible manifestation of Jesus' presence with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And it empowers and enables our witness. When the miracle worker is present, what? We expect should expect miracles, right? My point is, although those things are appropriately associated with Pentecost, they are not the object of Pentecost. But I've been in Pentecostal circles where the objective of Pentecost was speaking in tongues and doing miracles. But those things are not the, the object of Pentecost. Rather, they are tools for doing the work of the ministry which Pentecost sends us on. To do the work with God in the reconciliation of the world to Himself. Now, the fact that the participants in Pentecost in Acts 2 spoke in tongues and prophesied is not the most important thing that happened that day. But you wouldn't realize it if you hear a lot of the preaching and conversation I've heard. The most important thing that happened that day is found in Acts 2, verse 41. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. In response to the witness of Peter and the others, 3,000 people switched kingdoms in one sermon. And they didn't even have a praise band. They didn't have an hour of worship. They just stood up and said, this is what this is about. 3,000 people translated from the kingdom of darkness into the light of God's kingdom. And God used human beings to do it. Just like you and me. Because they were invested in Pentecost. They were fully participating in Pentecost. God gave them the power and they were witnessing to what God had done and was doing in their midst and in their lives. You know, God does give us power inside us as well to change us, to make us holy, to give us courage, to hang in there when life is hard, to, to suffer through coronavirus pandemics and Things like that. I call that staying power. That's power to hang in there uh, when the going gets rough. And to be the kind and character of a person uh, that God wants you to be. Stay in power. But that's not the power of Pentecost. The power of Pentecost is going power. Power to go into the world and to be witnesses to what God has done. And you know, if we're not going, we don't need the power. And most likely won't have it. And maybe that's why we don't see God's power uh, evident and visible in a lot of churches today. On the other hand, if we have and keep a mission mindset, we will receive God's power and we will go and we will make disciples first in the city and county where we live, then the surrounding counties, then in Georgia, then to all of America, then to Brazil, Cuba, even to the ends of the earth. That's what it means to have a missions mindset. And that's what happens when we fully participate in Pentecost. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for Your Word today.
for a thankful God that you can use ordinary people just like us to transform the world that we live in. Look at Peter. Lord, how many times did he blunder in, say dumb things, do the wrong thing, and then at the end he denied he even knew you. He's just a man, just a, a flawed man, just like us. But yet, when Pentecost came and filled his heart, when you empowered him from on high, he stood up and preached his first sermon and had 3,000 converts. Oh, God. If in every church in America this Sunday we could have just three converts, have mercy on us, Lord. Help us leave our petty denominational squabbles behind and understand that we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And we're foreseeing that kingdom grow in the earth to be witnesses of Jesus where we live, the surrounding areas, and even to the whole world. And thank you, God, for using people like us to do it. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you folks. Thank you so much for being here. And I'll be back next week. Uh, we'll be preaching on through the book of Acts. God bless you.